Look, first one for 2022, and uh, we've really brought in the uh, the A team today, haven't we? Uh, Dr. David Tabret <laughs> and Daniel Carrington. Good, mo- good afternoon, fellas. Good afternoon. G'day. Lovely well, to see you, Mark. Yeah, look, first, I, I always get to do the last one of these. I didn't last year, so I said, bugger it, the first one is mine. Oh. <laughs> All right, Danny, what have you got for us a bit later today? Uh, look, one of the things that's happened during COVID is so many people have got puppies. Mm. So puppies have joined the family. And what I wanted to talk about is let's have a look at the social implications. What is involved owning a puppy and what you should be doing as a puppy owner? So we've got Dr. Robert Zamet, who's going to talk to us about these matters. All right. Well, that sounds pretty good. And if you have a question for our pet service, because Dr. David Tabret, he is here. He is ready to go. He's fresh from swimming like a half a kilometre. Out of half, half a kilometre? What? What? More? <laughs> yes. Three to, three to four kilometres. Three to four kilometres. do. It is Pet Chat on 2NURFM 103.7. Dr. David Tabbert is here, as is Daniel Carrington. And Daniel, you would uh, like to welcome a very special guest for today. Thank you very much. On the line, we've got Dr. Robert Zamet. He's a spokesperson for Dogs New South Wales, which is the governing body in New South Wales for purebred dog breeders, uh, Mark. And what I wanted to talk to Dr. Robert was about uh, puppies. We've got so many puppies out and about now during COVID. And uh, thank you for joining the show, Dr. Robert. Good to be here, Daniel. Very good. Yeah, it's, certainly COVID has brought out everybody wants a dog. That's true. Uh, yes, very much yeah, so. We're seeing a lot of that, and that's that's been a big problem with um, people sometimes. Some of these people are first-time owners of dogs. Others are people that all of a sudden they're home and they've got plenty of time. What can they do to make that life a lot easier for themselves and the dog? Because dogs have become such an important part of our urban environment as well as you know, everywhere. But you know, dogs have such a special place now. They used to before, of course, with service dogs, dogs for the blind, all those things, bomb dogs. But the most important job is companionship, especially to lonely people. Mm. If you get a puppy... Um, it can be disastrous if you get the wrong breed. So talk to your breeders to make sure you suit that breed. Don't just say, I want that dog because I've always wanted that dog all my life. Ever since I was a, a, a 10-year-old kid, I wanted that breed. But, yeah, it mightn't be the breed for you, despite that. Yes, very much um, so. So uh, toys, of course, things like that are, are, are good. And mazes that you can build in the backyard, they're all good things, but be careful what toy do you buy because only on the weekend, it was 1 o'clock in the morning when I finished the surgery, um, a puppy had swallowed a ball that had broken it up in a few pieces but swallowed it all and had been vomiting all day long and was got really crook. So ensure that you get the right sort of toys for your dogs. Size-appropriate toys too. With Absolutely, yeah. Don't want to... A great big Kong, which are those big heavy rubber toys for a little dog. Mm. Um, but, you know, those Kongs can be good because you can stuff food in the middle of them, Daniel. And, and the dog is there for ages trying to get the food out and pull it and have a bit of a good time. But if it's a really big Kong with food right in the middle, it'll just frustrate the dog. So ensure it's the suitable size toy for that puppy. A big thing, of course, once they're vaccinated, is get them out and about. And mm. Dogs New South Wales have... Uh, training classes all over the state in different places where it doesn't it's not expensive I mean the best person to train your dog is you Mm. Uh, don't go sending it off and paying money to get it trained these people are volunteers that uh, have clubs all over New South Wales where you can get your puppy socialized and do some training and the other thing to think about with your puppy is what breed is your dog that's important, not because you know, I love all breeds. It doesn't matter what it is. We just love dogs at Dogs New South Wales. But 
you'd know the background of your dog, like if it's a retriever, for example, fetching is a really important part of what you start doing early in life. And I'm talking like yeah, virtually when you get it straight away, get it to fit, roll a ball and fetch if it's a retriever. If it's a dog that uses its nose a lot, scent work, you can play all sorts of games, bearing little bits of food here and there for it to find and enjoy scent work and start those sort of things off. I love those suggestions because that is also great for when the household members have left for the day. They're at school, they're at work, the dog's left on its own. Just doing some of these kind of things for the dog in the backyard to keep it amused rather than barking and annoying the neighbours. Boy, have you hit the nail on the head there. That's, good. That's a big problem because up to now, everyone's been home all this time and mm. dog's having a great time. This is good. Because <laughs> the dog wants to be part of a, of a pack. Yes. The, you know, if, canines are still part of a pack no matter what. And so they love the fact that the pack's at home. Now, all of a sudden, they're there protecting the, the, the den or the environment they live in. And so they'll bark at anything and everything if you don't give them some sort of industry, some training. Uh, and and yeah, it takes about five to ten minutes of training once or twice a day would, to you know, help stimulate a dog's mind and also teach it to be a really obedient dog. But just stimulates the mind. That's what you need before you go to work or when you get home. A bit of that would be ideal for it. And then all those things, the, you know, burying food here and there, not burying it in uh, the soil because you don't want him digging up the garden. You don't want to teach him that. Yeah. But in different spots, you know, on the bedding somewhere, it'll find these things. In hot weather, ideally leave a really a frozen bone out for it mm-hmm. and make sure the bone's suitable. No chicken bones, Daniel, no chicken bones for dogs. They're, they're bad, bad for dogs. But a, a brisket bone or a, a lamb neck, something that can really, you know, seriously, as it thaws out, gets its teeth into it. Even a little puppy, it may not eat the bone. People go, oh, but it's not eating it. It doesn't matter. It's there for the entertainment, for the uh, I- industry of chewing and enjoying it and putting it somewhere. It also Those reduces... Sort of that chewing action is uh, reducing the anxiety that the pet may have too. 100%, because that's the other thing we do see is like all of a sudden people are worried about separation anxiety for their dogs. If they've got that chewing action, they're doing something around the place, all of that goes out the window and the dog finds a very acceptable environment all of a sudden. So very important not to just throw your dog out in the backyard and hope for the best. really is. Robert, just on a couple of things you mentioned earlier on about uh, pe- how people pick dogs. You know, they may have always wanted this breed of dog and, and that's flowing into the conversations that you're having now about what to do once the dog is home. Yep. Over the last couple of years, you think we've really moved on to an extension of what we see every Christmas time where everyone runs out and buys a dog or a cat or whatever, and then what do I do with it? Well, now everyone's had more time at home and more time to think. I think we'll just add a, a, a pet to our family and they kind of get stuck in, with all these problems. Yeah, that, that's a big thing. And, and you're so right, because they, they race out, get a dog, because that's what they've always wanted, that particular breed, not think about it, and it just causes immense problems in the backyard. You, know, you have young kids, and you always wanted a big um, dog of some kind, and it's jumping all over the children. Mm. You know, your family has changed when you were a kid. <clears throat> so you've got to get a dog that's a good, 
suits the right fit for you, for your all your family, and the people that visit too. Get the wrong dog, and you know, you, get a, you might get a dog that you think, oh, this is just what I've always wanted, but it's a big guard dog. Doesn't like anyone visiting, so it's got to get be locked out the back, or it'll attack someone that comes just to say hello to you. When we're talking about the, the different breeds and purebred dogs, Mark, for example, like with me, with my Weimaranas, I know that they were bred to run and hunt all day. Mm. So you've got to let your puppy owners know these are energetic dogs. And uh, they're going to need to expel that energy throughout the day or they can use it for bad. Right, so right dogs for the people that are in or coming into your house and also the environment you have, whether you've got a small yard, a big yard, a property, whatever it is. Yes. Yeah, exactly right. And then like a big dog like a Weimaraner, you've got a great idea if you go to a leash-free park and teach them to retrieve. Yeah, you can take a tennis ball and a tennis racket and get some energy done that way quickly. If, you, if you're a busy person, you can still get them to expel energy quickly and enjoy their life. They're doing that work. They're doing that industry of retrieving for you, plus lots of yeah, uh, uh, big runs and things ideal for them. Dr. Robert Zamet, thank you for joining us on the show today. Lovely to have your expertise, and I'm sure we'll talk again at another time. Anytime it suits you, my friend. Bye-bye. And we have our first call for 2022. G'day, Chris at Port Stephens. You have a question in relation to chicken bones and dogs. G'day. How are you, mate? G'day, Chris. How are you going? I'm very well, thank you. Could you please tell me why you say chicken bones are no good for dogs? Well, it's, it's a bit of a qualified statement. So um, I'll step you through a little bit. First of all, my bias is working in emergency practice for the last 20 years so when dogs get into trouble with things like this we don't see the dogs that are doing okay like we just see the ones that are choking or whatever it is um so that's the first thing now um however over 30 something years of being a vet i've been able to certainly assess this in a wider perspective not just when they get into trouble um generally raw chicken bones are pretty good most of the time and um, certainly a lot of people will base their feeding or even just treats around, you know, chicken carcasses and chicken wings or chicken necks and those sort of things. So that's not too bad. The reason we get a bit worried is when we see cooked bones, and that's because bones are a biological substance, obviously, and they're made up of protein and minerals. Um, uh-huh. And what happens is when we cook them, we change the nature of the protein. So the bone now becomes quite brittle. And so when the dog chews on it, it's liable to splinter. And obviously then you've got sharp fragments uh, that can perforate different areas. So if you are going to feed chicken bones, um, always raw, and that's true for any bone anyway. Chris, is this something that you've you've been doing? Have you had uh, the dogs with I've chicken... had dogs mate, my whole life from 48. They've always had, uh, you go and get a barbecue chicken, They've always had them. Um, I, I disagree with the philosophy of splintered bones. I don't know why. I think what I've heard is back in the old days, yes, the chickens used to take a lot longer to grow and the bones used to splinter. I get that. Nowadays, they're steroid fed. They're grown that fast. The bones are that soft. I've never had a problem with a chicken bone in my life. Never seen the problem. But you're saying you're an emergency vet sort of thing. You're yeah. in the industry. You would see a lot more. Yeah, um, look, and it can cause... the. I have seen dogs that have had a whole chicken bone so not splintered, a whole chicken bone stuck in the roof of their mouth or stuck halfway down in their gullet. 
Um, yeah, you've got to keep an eye on it. Like, yes, that, yeah, a stupid dog owner won't will give a small dog a big bone and expect nothing to go wrong. Well, you know, common sense plays a, a, a lot in this as well. Yeah. We do see, certainly, I, I don't know about the growth rate of the chickens and whether that changes it, but the general rule of cooked bones, we've changed the protein. Probably one of the things that changes there is that the... Um, you know, the size of the dog's jaws, as you said, size of the dog. So, um, you know, does the dog chew it well enough? And I guess people need to make that assessment for their own dog. Dr. David Tabret is here. And David, I hope you love dogs. It's a lot of dog questions today. You hope I love dogs. Well, as, as in the hope they're your favourite pet. Oh, well, I'm not going to say, look, it'd be a bit wrong of me to, as a vet to yeah. say, yeah. Can't single anybody out. favourite species is. It's a good point. Mm. All right, uh, Heather at Tea Gardens. What's going on with your five-year-old Border Collie there, Heather? Uh, we have a five-year-old female Border Collie who is fine with some dogs, but other dogs she's quite snappy, and I'm just not sure how to stop her from being aggressive by the dog. So, Heather, is she de-sexed? Yes, she is. Okay. Um, just an interesting sidebar is that in male dogs, de-sexing them, uh, if they're aggressive, if you de-sex them, it actually seems to improve them. But with female dogs and they're aggressive, if you de-sex them, that can increase the aggression. Um, now, having said that, that's after the fact, not beforehand. So is this a recent problem or something that's been there all along? Uh, something that's been there all along. Yeah. The, the, yeah, the problem I have is I just don't know who she's going to like and who she's not going to like. Yeah, so, look, the aggression that dogs display could is often very much part of their kind of self-defence, you know, posture. Um, and often there would be triggers for your dog that uh, she's responding to. Now, the triggers are probably you know, through body language of the other dog, could be smell, could be other uh, stressors that are happening at the time that are pretty hard to predict, coming back to what you were saying about this. So dogs that she's in a good mood at the time, maybe they're familiar to her or the smell and the posture of the dog she's comfortable with, um, she's going to be okay. And then obviously other dogs, not so much. And so she becomes defensive and... uh, behaves in a way that looks like aggression so a, a lot of that is trainable and teachable but yeah. it's never guaranteed okay um so you would always say with dogs it's not about just her either this is for every dog um we do training to minimize the kind of um those reactive instincts so that the dog is comfortable in a variety of situa- situations and a, a variety of dogs but you can't put your dog in every situation you can't introduce your dog to every other dog in training so there are always going to be those sort of risks but it's certainly continual training and working with the dog behaviorist um, you could probably in your local area talk to your veterinarian and um, look up some dog trainers in that area and possibly there'll be some easy training that's going to help um, and it's more about not so much the unpredictability, it's more about what your reaction is going to be and how you respond to that. All right, thank you so much for that, Heather. I hope uh, we wish you all the best with your five-year-old border collie. Heading to Swansea and Kim, you've got uh, a bit of a sleep-slash-waking-up issue with your bulldog. What's going on? Yeah, well, look, 
Um, it's two year old, and I got it from my um, daughter. She's pregnant. She couldn't have it jumping up on on anymore. Yep. And I'm walking him, and he's going good, mate. And he he he's not sick or anything, but he will sleep. But when he wakes up, he's got like a head um, trauma. Yeah. And he shakes his head when he's waking up for a while, and I'm just wondering where he's, um, he's breathing or just his head will shake like he's having a fit. Now, does that is it a tr- a tremor on like uh, sorry, is it the skin is moving or is it his whole head? It just so well, it's his whole head, but it yeah. might be just his skin, you know. But it looks like his whole. Yeah, it might be just his, his outside skin is just trembling, you know. Yeah, okay. Um, and does it happen every time after he wakes up? No, no, only every now and again. And how long does it last for? Oh, ten minutes to a quarter of an hour or five okay. minutes. It could last, you know, but not real long. And he gets over it. It doesn't worry him. It doesn't hurt him, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, there are a couple of uh, conditions that dogs can get that involve uh, tremors that occur when they're waking up. Yep. Um, I can't remember them off the top of my head, but basically we're talking about neurological problems where the um, nerve control to the muscles... Would it, um, sorry, mate, would it have something to do with him snoring, snoring and waking up and he's getting his breath back and he's shaking his head? Or? Probably not, um, I would think. I mean, snoring in its own... Gen- it, it changes the amount of oxygen if it's really severe, but in that case, I think you'd have a lot of other problems. Yeah, yeah. Um, it can increase. It increases the uh, what we call vagal nerve traffic, where there's a there's a nerve in the body called the the vagus nerve, and so that can actually have um, an effect mostly on the heart, though, as it's really not going to cause the symptoms you're talking about. Yeah. The, yep. the other thing that happens is that. In our brain, when we go to sleep, various parts of the brain get shut down. And yep. so as you wake up, they have to come back online. It's kind of, it's like reboot, rebooting a computer, right? Yep. So some programs start up faster than others in your head. Yep. And um, some of the programs that are supposed to run in our head control movement in the body. Yes. Yep. And so there's, there's uh, parts of the brain that control initiating the movement and then there's parts of the brain that actually control you know how your nervous system yeah, yeah how strong your body your body might move so i'll reach to grab something and i may not have complete control so i'll shoot past it david is this yep. why the 2am walk to the bathroom once you wake up can be a bit of a nightmare sometimes well, yeah <laughs> for ourselves yeah. for us in a hurry mate <laughs> yeah, gotta, well there's that too you've got to give yourself time to you got to give yourself time to wake up but yeah. Usually that passes pretty quickly, and that's why I asked how long it lasts for. Yeah, um, not, you know, it doesn't seem to bother me, but it just makes me wonder if he's having a fit or not, you know? Yeah, probably not. But the best way to look at this is um, get a video of him. Um, so grab a phone. Most phones these days, we've got cameras. Yes, so yeah. A little video is probably a good thing. You don't have to video for 10 minutes. Yeah, yeah. Um, but if you know that he's asleep and he's going to wake up, then it'd be a good idea to get that video. And next time you're in talking to the vet, show it to them and um, they'll probably be able to give you some more advice because sometimes, yeah. as you said, if it's not bothering them, then we're not going to worry too much. Yeah, that's what I'm saying, mate. I don't think it's much of a concern, you know, because he's not sort of 
doing anything from the mouth. There's no dribble or nothing. He's, he's just sort of shaking his head until oh, you might yeah. get it for a little while, and then he comes comes to properly. Yeah, I grab a video of him, I think, and then um, get get your vet to have a look at that. That'll probably get you closer to an answer for that one. And we'll continue with some more of your calls now. G'day to Bill at Nelson Bay. Uh, your dog has separation anxiety, Bill. What's going on there? Well, we got her into pup, and in the middle of uh, the virus. Yep. And now we're starting to go back to work. She's starting to get a little bit anxious. Yeah, this is. Uh, Any suggestions? This is exactly what uh, Dr. Rob Zamet was talking about. You know, it's really interesting that actually cats went the other way. Is that because we're a home, cats got stressed out. So dogs hate it when we leave. Cats hate it when we're there. Cats are my kind of people, I've got to say. <laughs> that's um, not helping you, Bill. So it's exactly uh, as you're saying. I think this is a pretty common experience. And, I mean, one of the things, how does this separation anxiety show up? What's your dog doing, Bill? Howling? Uh, yes. Um Pick up your car keys and she jumps all over you. Right, yep. Um, yep. Runs around the house at 100 mile an hour waiting for you to open the door. For her to go with you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, now, is she destroying furniture or anything like that? Mm, no. No. We're past that stage at the moment. We're, we're past the puppy stage. Past the puppy the stage. I, just, I remember I had a dog years ago, not my dog, a client who... Um, the dog had separation anxiety and tore all the furniture to pieces, shredded the blinds and ran through a plate glass window. So <laughs> it's pretty serious stuff, right? Um, yeah. So a couple of things. First of all, you noticed already the triggers that your dog's responding to. So what we want to do is disassociate those triggers with you leaving. So it would be a good idea perhaps on a weekend or whenever it is, is to pick up the car keys, shake them and then don't leave the house. Okay, so right. over, you're going to have to do this a fair bit, but over time, next time you pick up the car keys, the dog's like, well, I don't know if you're coming or going these days, so who, you know, I'm not going to react. Um, because every time your dog gets agitated, it you're stimulating this vicious cycle of anxiety. Yeah. Um, so good idea, and I think uh, Dr. Rob Zamet was talking about this, is make sure your dog has something to distract them and is very engaging. Food's really good, obviously, but it needs to be measured. Um, and using the Kongs, frozen Kongs, are a good idea. Um, have no, she's, she's just been de-sexed, and, and at the moment we're getting over uh, uh, her um, an anaesthetic, and yeah. we're on the on the on the bed and di digging holes in the in the um, in the pillows. Yeah. Okay. So we want to try and shift the behaviours back more towards, obviously, dog normal, but that varies with everybody. Um, by disassociating, we're going to reduce the triggers, giving the dog something else um, to keep them occupied. Now, one of the things, there's a couple of uh, treatments that seem to hold a lot, a lot of promise. There's a product called DAP, D-A-P, which is Dog Appeasing Pheromone. So this is yeah. a car, it's a calming product it comes in a bottle and you can just spray it around on various things maybe you leave some clothing of yours or something for the dog um, but also use this dap around the house and spray it so you can get that from pet shops and vets 
Um, and then I noticed this other product, which I wanted to talk about today. And so it's called Earmuffs Anti-Anxiety Spray. Now, I don't know if it's available in Australia, but the premise is that your dog is attached to you. And so if the dog has the scent of you there all day, um, then it's going to be calmer. So what this company has done is they send you a pack of wipes and you put one in your shoe one under your armpit and one you rub over your face and neck and then you send them back to the company and they make up a spray with your scent in it. And so... That's creepy. That is creepy <laughs> as. At my work, it's creepy. This is under, yeah, Sorry. rubbing and, you know, you're, you're adjusting your makeup. No, I'm actually <laughs> collecting scent molecules from yeah. a dog. So I think... Is that why, is that why she keeps... Um, Grabbing, uh, like, if I leave my shirt around, yes. she'll grab the dirt yes. and, and take it around with her? Yeah, that's it. That's exactly right. And so that's why we're tr with this kind of product is trying to get away from uh, your clothing and bedding being shredded or pulled away or taken um, by providing the dog with an alternative. And that's why I said if you've actually got an old shirt that you're happy to give up, that might be a good way to help your dog get through this period while you're you know, going back to work. All right, a couple of things to keep in the front of mind there. Thank you so much, Bill. Tanya at Toronto. Now, you've got a, a chihuahua that's, shall we say, a little bit precious, Tanya. Yes, she is. Oh, dear. Now, Tanya, <laughs> what's going on with your chihuahua? Um, he wants me to hand-feed him all the time. Fair enough. I mean, <laughs> that sounds... <laughs> to the extent that, what, will he eat his dinner if you put it down? No, he won't. He'll go and sit on the back of the lounge, look at me and wait for me to say, oh, do you want me to feed you? And how long does it take for you to respond to that kind of blackmail? Oh, about 15 minutes. Oh, you've held out for 15 minutes. That's pretty good. Yes. I was expecting you to say like a minute or 30 yeah, seconds. 30 seconds. 15 minutes, that's decent. That's pretty fair yes. crack. Let's just yes. add, let's add a couple of 15 minutes back to back and stretch this time out. So... First of all, does your dog have food there available all the time? Just a bits of biscuits. No, pick it up. So you yeah. need. He's a two-year-old dog, so you can feed once a day. If they've yeah. got if they've got food there all the time, then basically it's like, well, you know, it's not about food. Like it's basically about getting you to do things for him. So yeah. we need to change this around. By picking up the food, they don't need it there. Dogs aren't grazing animals. They're not cows and horses, so they don't need to have food there all the time. They eat larger meals at one end of the day. Yep. And um, and then put the food down when your dog does something for you. So if you ask them to sit, then they get the food. Now, the thing is, because they haven't had any other food during the day, then they're going to be hungry. I have yet to meet a dog that's going to refuse that food it might take a little bit of time because basically we're training you to train the dog rather than the dog training you. And yeah. so I'd just say 15 minutes, let's stretch it out to an hour and I bet he eats. And if all, all that right. fails, Tanya, you just, you, you, this is your job now. This is your life. So can we move, <laughs> move from feeding the dog maybe to feeding other people? You can come around to our couch and he can feed us, yeah? Yeah. <laughs> no. Good That's luck. A no. That's Pick, a no. No, I know. Pick up the food that's there now, feed once a day, uh, give him the food for when he does something for you, just sitting's fine, and then don't succumb to the blackmail. 
All right, thank you so much. Good luck with all of that, Tanya, by the way. Uh, super quick, got about 15 seconds here. So we have a dog of the week, David. So if, uh, maybe all of this talk. Maybe of, this is my favourite dog. Maybe it is. Look, Luna, uh, Luna the dog, 14-month-old Maltese cross. And it's a couple of nice little pictures. One of her uh, just laughing away in the backyard. One just resting on a pillow, probably waiting for Tanya to bring some snacks across. (laughs) Uh, If you'd like uh, to check out Tanya, make your way. Luna. Luna. Sorry. Well, Tanya will be on the couch feeding the dog later. Um, Check it out at our webpage, findpetchat at 2nurfm.com.au. David, episode 101, out of the way, done. I know. I, f- I feel like I'm back in the right place. I'm back <laughs> back in my safe space. Back where you belong. It's all safe here. Pet Chat back again next week. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com. <laughs>